And so it draws to a close, a year of Groundhog Days and simultaneously compressed and lengthened time that stalled us through a shuddering 12 months. Many people are grieving, many people are grateful to survive, many people are in isolation. We endured the longest lockdown in Europe, but still find ways to socialise and connect. We grew closer to our neighbours, our podwives. We celebrated landmark birthdays, we missed funerals, we cancelled holidays, we yearned for festivals. We had a brief stint on the dance floor. We've gone from missing our lives to trying to live them again and to realising that this isn't a waiting room, this is real life, baby, and it's happening, so get involved. We are two years into a pandemic that will hopefully not have two more years in it. We're also a generation that is enduring something remarkable, once in a century marathon to keep on going, and now to hope for some levity and ease and to find some joy. This is a year where many of us continue to sit with ourselves and reflect and became allergic towards those who weren't, systems, societies and people. But change starts within, and many of us reprioritized, thought about moving to new places, emigrated, quit a job, followed a dream, solidified some relationships and shed others. This is transformation time. The shock and chaos of 2020 and into the first part of 2021 has abated somewhat. We shifted into a new phase. Some people stayed angry, other people got meditative. Plenty of us shifted into acceptance mode. We have adapted, we're learning the new ways, and we also know that going into year three, what works and what doesn't. We've taken stock many times, and we need to listen and pay attention to the lessons that we've learned. What would you do differently in 2022? What helps you and what hinders you? We've demonstrated a remarkable feat of collective will, trust, resolve, and perseverance. Well done, everyone. So, Welcome to United Ireland, and let's kick back and look back at a year like no other, apart from the one that came exactly before it. It's the United Ireland 2021 End of Year Awards! How would you sum up the year, Andrea? Um, (laughs) Right now or overall? We're going to go with overall. Overall, I would say the year has been chaotic. And I don't mean that in the sense of chaos. I feel like more in the sense of it's been so extreme in so many ways. It's gone up and down and up and down. So you're just kind of finding your feet and then your feet are whipped away from you and then finding them again and whipped away from you again. But in a in the true namaste sense of the world, I feel like it's been the making of us. Well, maybe not everyone, maybe, but I feel like the journey life needs to go on, needs these things to happen. And I don't think personally, obviously, I would have reached certain points or beliefs or desires or needs if the pandemic hadn't happened. So I don't want to say that I'm thankful for the pandemic because that would be absolutely banana town. (laughs) But I feel like the universe provides what we need to learn and grow and develop. 
and everything we learned from being in the pandemic and still are is just bringing us to the next stage of where we need to be as people. Mm. That's pretty good uh, summation there, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) Because if everything just keeps staying the same, you don't, you just keep trucking along on the same path and it doesn't challenge you to, to see, to make the changes and to see politically, um, personally, um, and, and to kind of know what, what you want and what you need and, and to discover that you are more than you think you are and can handle more than you would ever expect. Unless you got sick or died. Agree. And can you think of any, as we go into these awards, can you think of any themes that are emerging in Irish society from 2021? Like, do you think that there are any major strands or or narratives that feel not dominant, but that feel important that are new? Yes. And I'm going to credit Laura Whitmore with this because she has a book called No One Can Change Your Life Except For You. And I think that that is the theme of this year, that people, all of us are like, I wish somebody for so long, it's been, I wish someone would change that. I wish, like, this is the pits. Why is someone not doing something? And now it's literally like we've been faced with the fact that we are the change and we are the ones who are responsible and we are mounting people power. We are getting involved in politics. We are um, looking into the abyss of of the shit show and being like, okay, I'm going to change that. And I think that is what is going to reign supreme. And even if you take a, a reading of Twitter and all that, and the, the only place where people talk, um, <laughs> But if you take a reading, it literally is the conversation. It's just like, can we please have an election to get the change we need in our government? And I think the people wanting change and being uh, acknowledging that they're the ones responsible for that change, be it in election time, be it in uh, protest time, be it in uh, acknowledging where the faults lie and finding solutions to those. I think that is is really what's going to happen next year. Yeah, I think you're dead right. And I think that, you know, that that question, you know, and it's one that we kind of talked a lot about in our live podcast, The Utopia thing, like, what do you want? Um, and, and how do you then create that? Um, I think is really dominant. And I think when you look at global trends around work and stuff, you know, the great resignation, for example, is a really obvious manifestation of that. Um, and how that will look when people decide to, as systems increasingly fail them and people don't see the spoils of their work anymore with all the hard work because there's so much stuff stacked against you, particularly around the housing crisis, that it's kind of like, well, I'm going to just take more, not on an individualist level and not in a, you know, we're all on our own level, but taking more action and responsibility uh, because the state in an oppressive economic system like neoliberalism or or late capitalism kind of fails people so much that you have oh. to take it up yourself. 
more and more people are being failed, even though they probably were being failed the whole time. But it's laid bare the fact that like middle income people can't buy houses. So it's not just where you're able to kind of close off and go, well, I'm fine. And most of my friends are fine. So I'm not going to, it's, it's kind of spread the, the revolutionary vibe has spread past just, um, the people that we, and let's call a spade a spade, expect to find it difficult. And now more and more people are finding it difficult. And that's been exposed by the pandemic because decisions the government make affect everyone as opposed to just the people who maybe are well less off or who are um, in certain jobs or any of those kind of things. So people who've been able to brush things under the carpet and just realize that, well, hey, my life is fine and um, can't do that anymore. And that has really shifted um, a big mass of the population, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think also one really dominant strain in terms of like general discourse or whatever and leaving social media aside but obviously it's dominant there as well is this massive massive um like age of scrutiny and and you know that kind of comes from people being more engaged because you're not going to interrogate um parties or governments or or systems if you're not paying attention to them and i think because people have been engaged in Ireland politically outside of the party system through different kinds of movements, they're coming at the party political system or the electoral politics system with a totally different lens than their parents did or their grandparents did. You know, it's not being looked at as, you know, well, my team is Fine Gael or my team is Fianna Fáil because that's the way it always was. People are actually um, much more engaged on issues than they are with with parties and looking back at the political system and going, why is there such a lack of competence um, and why are certain people who clearly are not qualified or up to the task uh, in charge of things? And and that's huge, you know, and I, I think that as Irish people culturally grow in confidence and, you know, realise that their political points of view are probably not aligned with right-wing or neoliberal or centre-right or even centrist parties that actually were looking for something much more empathic and and helpful for the collective, that's going to have massive ramifications down the line. Uh, And also a new wave of emigration is in process because of the housing crisis, which is very different to our waves of emigration before. Uh, And that's also going to have, you know, I don't know what kind of impact it'll have, but it's definitely going to do something, whether it kind of atomizes people more as people leave cities and try and find cheaper uh, housing around the country or whether it'll create a new kind of diaspora that actually doesn't want to be looking back all the time or whether the opposite will happen um, and whether more protest will emerge as the housing crisis worsens and as um, rents continue to rise. So it's it's really... It's really fascinating and I think we're seeing little kind of light-filled moments of how that can puncture uh, dominant forces with different protest movements emerging and stuff like that. So it's all to play for really, isn't it? Go on, 2022. It's been a grind though. This year has been a grind, no doubt. Understatement of the year. (laughs) That's like saying that Paul Reid is on a fair wage. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh dear, with his uh, chauffeured, chauffeured sponsored BMW so he can go I from Leitrim to Dublin. We, our WhatsApp group, our non-political WhatsApp group has been hopping the last days. Just going, but why is he paid that much? Like, would you not? And I was like, well, imagine you had to run the HSC. That'd be pretty shit. Like, <laughs> that would be a crap job. And it was like, yeah, but just make it good. And then you could justify being paid that much. Yeah, I mean, that's probably going to be another podcast in January. <laughs> but now let's get into the famous annual United Ireland Awards. And we're going to start off with culture. So it's a year when musicians were kept away from stages, crowds away from venues, and there were very l- few kind of windows where we could go to gigs. A lesson for me is to take those opportunities when they come. Uh, it was also the year when cinemas were shut for a long time, but t- film and television production in Ireland is booming. There were blockbuster books and TV shows and a brief foray back into the clubs. Um what a glorious foray it was. <laughs> so let's kick off with the culture section of the awards. And first up, it's Book of the Year. Now, you all probably know what this is going to be. It's not exactly an under the radar book, <laughs> but it is one that everyone should read uh, that is really, really fascinating and allows us to understand our con- our country in the basket casey ways that it has uh the book of the year is fintan o'toole's we don't know ourselves he should do a collaboration with you don't even know me for a promo for the book what's that you don't know me like that tune speaking of tunes uh the irish album of the year is a bumper uh award that we are going to give to dun, dun, dun. For those I love, for for those I love, John Francis Flynn, I Would Not Live Always, Kojak's Townstead, Saint Sister, Where Should I End, Bicep, Isles, Elaine May, Home, Lethal Dialect, Songs for Dead, Dreamer, and a shout out to Denise Chyla for It's a Mixtape. We also- really do have a very, like, get ready for this, this is an uncovering of, of real life. Such a wealth of music on our aisle, don't we? We really do, Andrea. So deep. Uh, other albums I've been enjoying this year, Little Sims, uh, sometimes they might be introverse. Salt released, they've released five albums between 2019 and 2021. All of them are amazing. The fifth one, you, which was released this year, was only for a limited number of days. So um, also self-esteem, prioritize pleasure. And not one from this year, but one that spoke to a lot of people this year. Beverly Glenn Copeland's Keyboard Fantasies. That's your fave. That's my fave. Do many people know about that? Yeah, I think they do. Now. Um, so, yeah. Our music capital of Ireland, which is a new award <laughs> that we've invented, I think should go to Louth for the burgeoning drill scene uh, north of Dublin. Uh, primarily A92's Amazing Success in the UK and Reggie. Also, I love 
this track, uh, Dundalk Bosses. Artist of the Year, I feel, needs to be Emer Walsh from their uh, amazing piece at Emma about land and sex and homes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the workbook, Land for the People, and uh, just general deadliness, I guess. And uh, what is our film of the year, Andrea? Our film of the year... Now, it had quite a struggle to get released because of obviously lockdown opening up, lockdown opening up. But one did, uh, it hit a lot of people and touched a lot of people. And um, it is Herself, which was written and she starred in it as well. Claire Dawn, she's amazing um, and so sound as well. Not that that's anything to do with the film, but, you know, some people make soundship, I feel. Definitely. <laughs> Our play of the year uh, goes to Conversations After Sex by Marco Halloran. And also shout out to Once Before I Go at the Gate uh, at a time when people were revisiting AIDS histories in another pandemic. Now, who's our actor of the year? It's a dual prize, Andrea. Dual, both, uh, both women. Not that that's a factor, but they happen to be great actors. Um, Kate Stanley Brennan. Uh, also known as Miss Kate with the with the beats and the raps. She's also very multi-talented, uh, put in a star performance in Conversations After Sex. Um, and I didn't get to see it, which I was absolutely raging about. But by all accounts, um, it was one of the most stunning performances of the year. Um, and also Claire Dunn from herself and also with starring role in Kin, which was a much anticipated show um, on Irish television and did very well. And was, and was really good. Yes, Claire's on. Absolute boss. Um, festival of the year. Bit threadbare this year. There were obviously loads of um, distanced festivals and people trying to make things happen within really difficult constraints, loads of stuff cancelled, put back on, went online, all that kind of stuff. But for me, one of the festivals in a, of the year in a, in a funny way, and it did come at a window where people could go to stuff, was the Dublin Theatre Festival. And I felt that the um, focus for logistical and obvious reasons on Irish work really benefited the festival this year. And there was loads of just fascinating, stimulating, interesting work on. And I feel like with a lot of theatre and, and hopefully a lot of art, we're kind of getting out of that silo of like reacting to the pandemic or, you know. Um, oh <laughs> I do not want to see reference. This is some, I'm paraphrasing someone else. I do not want to see reference to the pandemic in any TV shows going forward. Well, I think that it can be done if no, it's good. No, no. What about Bo Burnham's Inside? That was like a Didn't good piece. Okay. <laughs> you should. You'd be into it. And uh, also, I'm going to, I know this was, this is going to be controversial. And this has nothing to do with Festival of the Year, but it does have to do with television and the inclusion of the pandemic in it. I, I hate and just like that. Oh my God. 
I hate it. That is a wild, wild turnaround. I haven't watched uh, the new episode, so. Um, no spoilers. I haven't watched the last two, actually. Now that I have a collective overview of it from above, of all the episodes I've watched so far, I'm just like, oh, God, it's so it trying so hard. Fuck off. OK, well, that's a really wild turnaround now from our previous episodes. I will watch the latest two uh, and see what it's like. So, yeah, I think Dublin Theatre Festival was a really, really good um, festival, in my opinion. Uh, and what is our other festival of the year? Anna? Our other festival is that we both went to and had an absolute ball. Um, and it's just a ball every t- year, like as if I've been going for years, second year. Uh, other voices, like what an absolute buzz. It's just such a gorge, heartwarming festival that is full of thought, full of emotion, full of heart and full of good times. And I don't think you can ask for much more from a festival. Oh, music. You can ask for music. <laughs> <laughs> And now, our sports person of the year. Okay, so another triple triple threat. Our sports people slash teams of the year are Rachel Blackmore for being great in the horse. New uh, documentary by Ross Whitaker out the other night on RT. Kelly Harrington, who made everyone delighted in Ireland and beyond this year. And is just unbelievable. <laughs> Who made me put my jukes up for a picture? And I was like, I really don't want to do that. So <laughs> come on, get your hands up. I was like, Kelly, like I actually will look like an absolute weirdo. Mom, hands up. When so, was this? On a night out. And uh, our other sports people of the year, the Irish women's rugby team in their search for equity and uh, support and basic fucking facilities and facilitation and all of the things that they uh, need and deserve. And also Alan Keane. I love Alan Keane and I think she's a, a hero and I'm very excited to watch her now take on the new sports of the season, Dancing with the Stars. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I can't um, wait. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, I'm excited. Shout out Erica Cody. It's the greatest show on earth. <laughs> Um, I've never watched it, but I will watch it. I will. Eric is on it. Shout out to Julian Benson, who's no longer a judge. He was a star of the show. Um, but Brian Dowling's partner is now the replacement. And I can't think of his name, which is Scabby. So partner, he shall be. Uh, <laughs> we'll look forward to that show. <laughs> OK, so now it's time for the Politics Awards. What really got me in this debate today was the contributions from the Healy Rays, both of them. And I'm absolutely disgusted because it hit me personally. Usually what they say is water off a duck's back to most of us, to all of us in this house. But they mentioned they had to go to the Labour Party, this Labour Party, this relevance, this relevance, that. But they said that we didn't understand working people. And said we didn't understand a carpenter coming to the house to have to fix a job. Well, I'm the son of a carpenter. I'm not the son of Fianna Fáil privilege and millions and millions of euro. I remember as a kid in the 80s having to take any work going, hanging doors and fingers just to put uh, a roof over our head and food on the table. I remember that. I spent my teenage years working on sites filling skips. Today, 
Or do they drive in their Mercedes into their big plant hire shops, walking past all their machineries worth hundreds of thousands to count all their money? Or to count up all their properties? You had your chance. You had your chance. Sit down, Deputy Chair. I did not. I did not come in. I did not come in. Deputy Smith has the floor. Please let him conclude. I have the floor. So I'm not going to be lectured on understanding workers. I don't have to put on a political costume and a caricature to pretend I'm working class like some. They do. Okay, uh, it's been a slightly less, (laughs) but it's slightly less um, chaotic in a weird way, even though there's plenty of chaos. I know you're kind of looking at me there going, what are you talking about? (laughs) But when you think of um, the period of time last year between when the government was formed and the horrific Christmas and January cases of COVID. That era was obviously like the most ramshackle clown car uh, bin fire time for the um, embryonic little Irish government trying to make its way in the world. Uh, The two become one government, um, which should be their theme, actually. Let's put a little to become one in there, the, the Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, uh, national anthem. When does Leo become Taoiseach again? December, isn't it? I actually thought it was September, but I think it's December. So another year. Yeah. So uh, let's hope we get to, we don't get to that point again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, somebody save us uh, yeah but it, it was a very very strange year a year of controversy of just turning off for a lot of people I think um, and general heel dragging very bad year for the L local governments in some places such as Dublin and uh, who knows what next year will hold what do you think next year is going to be all about um Politics-wise, Andrea, we go live now to our going. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) What are you feeling? You're good. You're good at tapping into um, the energy on the ground, on the ground of the people where they are on the ground. I think it's going to be more. What's it going to be? More issues based because I think we're going to stop talking about COVID a little bit more. I hope soon, and then we'll be able to talk about other shit. I think we're going to hear a lot more female voices and female issues coming to the core that have often been relegated. We're going to hear a lot more rural urban uh, cohesion where issues that have traditionally have been more rurally focused will be more um, felt by urban communities as our climate collapses and we all struggle to, I suppose, survive and thrive in a burning world. Um, I think, what do I think? I think party politics is dead. It's over. And that people just, that's quite quite a statement, isn't it? Uh, I think people are just going to lean into individuals that they, that they feel fighting their corner and their issue. And that people will jump around to whoever is doing that and not be so like, I'm against that party so I can't row in behind them that it will be like 
well, they're doing a good job and that's all row in, even though I think that what they stand for overall as a party is despicable. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot more individualistic rather than party led. I think even though with Sinn Féin's like roller coaster towards control yeah, and power, I think people want change. They don't necessarily know what that change is, but they know Sinn Féin is change. And I don't know if people like I know people who are buying into the change, but not necessarily buying into the party. Mm. So I think if that does happen, that there's, there's going to be it's like women who have to do a lot more to get to the same level as men. Sinn Féin are going to have to do a lot more to get to the level to not get fucking annihilated by commentators and people will expect more of them to be delivered because it's different. Mm. So I think if unless they can deliver that, um, which will be difficult because it will be just coming out of a pandemic, maybe we're due a recession. Um, yeah, there's going to be very like little money for Sinn Féin to spend whenever they actually get into government. And like Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael look, feels like they're doing their best to lock things into place that Sinn Féin can't, go back on that they'll have to stand over if they if and when they get into power so that's going to be challenging for them inheriting all that um to then start rocking on and i think i think what we've seen in the media so uh, so many times is that they're going to keep reverting to the past a lot more and that and making issues about the past that Sinn Féin are trying to move forward from and move on and people are as well. And um, it will just be interesting to see how that goes. I think there's going to be, I think there's a lot in what you've said there that rings true. I think there's going to be a lot of change will depend on where the despondency goes and how that manifests. So whether people get so frustrated and angry and resentment that it continues to paralyze people who are obviously dealing with the day to day and preoccupied with so much stuff, particularly around housing and the mental health crisis that the housing crisis has caused. You know, it's very hard to start, you know, building movements from that base um, when, when, you're, when you're just so caught up in, and rightly so, in, in all of the stress of it. So, or there may be like loads and loads of pockets of, of protest and movement building happening. I think that um, the Taoiseach rotating this year, twirl. Um, rotisserie <laughs> um will be really interesting because <clears throat> I think that, you know, most people don't support the government uh well, most people don't support individual government parties. Most popular party is Sinn Féin. We know this, okay? But also I think that Micheál Martin's general uh, lack of emotion, I suppose, that he imbues in people, you know, people don't necessarily have as visceral feel- feelings towards him than they do towards Leo Varadkar. Apart from Davina Devine. <laughs> so I think that a lot of people just kind of think he's ineffective and, um, you know, he doesn't stir emotions, let's say, in the same way that Leo does. I think if the government makes it to Leo's um, 
rebound as Taoiseach. I think that that might actually be quite difficult in terms of the temperature in public discourse, because I think people who dislike Fine Gael and who dislike the government parties and who dislike that kind of party binary and the government and stuff, really, 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 really dislike Leo Varadkar. And I think that he gives people, because of so much stuff he says is totally whack. (laughs) He just, he gives people this sounds really awful, but like he kind of gives people like an enemy almost, you know, um, and that people consolidating around the person the per- or the perceived personality of someone they don't like really adds to the heat. You know, we see that when leaders are really disliked. Um, so I think that that might be very frustrating for people. I also think like obviously so much has changed since he was Taoiseach. Um, and how will he cope or be able to connect when people demand uh, somebody they can relate to uh, in charge? Obviously, Miguel Martin doesn't fulfill that either, but I think it could be a bit like heightened when he gets back in power, to be quite honest, because I think that he is not a popular person amongst younger people in particular. I don't think he's going to make it that far, so... Well, let's see. Let's see what happens. Our politician of the year is a six-way tie. <laughs> We're very decisive, aren't we? Yeah, totally. Um, and who who are the politicians of the year, Andrea? They are. God, it's, it's very funny. They're all quite left-leaning, isn't it, for this podcast? <laughs> uh, Catherine Connolly, obvious legend all the time. Uh, Gary Gannon. Uh, legend all the time. <laughs> wow, that's so descriptive. Ona Breen, legend all the time. <laughs> Holly, <laughs> Holly Kearns. Um, I think Holly Kearns is a really interesting one because she is uh, she is very urban, rural linked. And I really think that's going to be a good and a good theme, a big theme for the next year the impact mm. of soil and seeds and all that stuff. Um, and, and moving, moving like the like the rural areas experiencing the housing crisis in a way that was previously limited to. Yeah, and farming and the impact on our produce and our food. And she's really big on that. So I think this is going to be a big year for Holly. Uh, Lynn Ruan, Catherine Martin. Catherine Martin a little bit, yeah. No, a big bit. She has done, in my mind, so much for advocating for culture and for clubs and concerts and uh, the event industry. And it's a pity that um, she wasn't taken more on board by the government, even though she is a government. And our bonus lucky number seven politician of the year is? RBB, yeah, you know me. That's it. Richard Boyd Barrett, always in there. Um, you, what I think is interesting in terms of the politicians that people are responding to, and this is something that, you know, another reason that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are basically fucked, is that A, women, you know, people actually want um, women leadership. We have become a less misogynistic country, even though there's plenty of misogyny around, especially uh, in political circles. Um, but I think people really respond to that different kind of leadership that um, 
you know, shout out to actually um, people like Roisin Shorthall as well. And because there's like, and Catherine Murphy and stuff, there's a basis that is in fact and in wanting to do the smart thing and pointing out the obvious incompetencies and broken systems and not doing it from a place of shouting and roaring and ego and looking like an absolute sap in the doll up on a high horse. And I think that one of the things that I find hilarious when um, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are like screaming at Sinn Féin is that they, they don't seem to understand that like Mary Lou MacDonald as a leader is different by virtue of her gender, you know, of, of the main parties. And she just has a different way of relating and going about things, you know. And I think that people are kind of bored of this kind of stale male leadership, you know, and that's like, sounds like I'm being sexist or something, but I just think that we've never had a female Taoiseach and there have been very few women leaders of parties. And I think that it's a really, really overlooked aspect of why people perceive, um, you know, Sinn Féin or whatever to be quote unquote different. Uh, it's also like a superficial thing as well. You know, it's not, I'm not endorsing things. I'm just kind of commenting on it. There's a lot less dick swinging when there's more women involved is what True. you're trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. Break there it down. Um, so our Aaron Sorkin Award for good political speeches and general messaging uh, at a time of bloopers, gaffes and crap comms has to go to Mary Lee McDonald. Friends, I'm very proud to lead this party. I'm proud of our team leading change across Ireland. I'm proud of all of you because activism is everything. That motivation to make our country better, that's a powerful thing. But most of all, I'm proud of the people we represent. The ordinary people of Ireland, workers and families, whose corner we will always have. We will never, ever let them down. And we are here to build a new and united Ireland in our time. The cynics and the critics say it can't be done. Well, they are wrong. They are stuck in yesterday, and we strive for tomorrow. Those of us who desire change have to work harder, be more determined and more united than ever. But there is no limit to what we can achieve when we work together and for each other. So let's do this, because this is the moment. This is our moment. This is the time. This is our time. Let's change Ireland. Let's unite Ireland together and for each other. Gurumila Mahagov is on Fubla Abu. Worst comms award, Andrea. Uh, please travel back into time and put your PR hat back on. Now, Una, we could probably do seven podcasts. <laughs> About the worst comms of this. It literally, I don't know how there's so many comms people involved in the government comms because you're literally like, are you absolutely joking? This is the, like, it's so bad. Just tell people things in a good way. That's the base of the comms. And they can't do that. But the worst, um, and it's 
it's probably mo- mo- more prominent today, given the reliance that has now come about of the pandemic um, on antigen testing. So Philip Nell's uh, attack on antigens as snake oil probably sings strong as a bad comms. Um, And also like, just like, don't wear masks. Masks being the thing. Ah, Okay, I'm going off on a tangent here. Snake oils, uh, Philip Nolan's tweet about antigens in bits. Now they're literally carrying the country's attack on um, COVID as PCRs are really just to tick a box so people can get paid and work or can uh, get their recovery certs, et cetera. Antigens are where it's at. And we were pushing back on it for so long. But I think the worst comms, perhaps, is Tony Holland's tweet the other day with the four things that we should be doing now. Mm. Didn't have a mask involved. There's yeah. no conversation about the better quality mask. The top of the list was wash your hands. Are you fucking joking me in an airborne uh, spreadable virus? We're talking about washing our hands where there's no surface spread. Like, what? You're the CMO. That was a very tallow of me coming out there, wasn't it? Ah, uh, uh, like it's just so frustrating. And I think it's very timely this way up. Um, loads of climate. Don't look up. Don't look up. Haven't yeah. watched it yet. I'm just obviously going on the talk. Uh, don't look up. Uh, don't be early. Remember when Erlingus was look up? It's Erlingus. That was fab. Um, don't look up. All the climate. Uh, scientists are literally like this is our life we felt like this for the last 10 years no one will fucking listen to us and it must be exactly the same for all the campaigners are like it's airborne wear a fucking better mask wear do this why is nobody talking about ventilations in hospitals and workplaces and da 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 you're fucking agents we could be past all this now so my uh, worst comms goes to Tony Holland's tweet about the four things we should be doing. So you're overruling my worst comms for Philip Nolan and the snake oil. That's yours and mine <laughs> is Tony Holland. My real um, worst comms award was, remember I had that month where I was trying to find out what was happening with public toilets. <laughs> and I was literally like cross between Carrie in Homeland at her cork board. And, you know, that that meme with the like crazy guy trying to figure out all the maths. Um, I was just stuck in this infinite loop um, of dialogue with <laughs> Dublin City Council officials, all of whom were telling me nothing. And, you know, then anyway. Wasting words with loads of like reams of paper of loads of words. Oh, that God. Like, just was... say the sentence. You don't have to like. But no, it's, that was that's probably my worst comms award. Also, one of the officials who told me that he couldn't answer my questions because he was going to a child's birthday party. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm actually just going to walk out into the street and scream. <laughs> so that's a little bonus worst comms award. But as you said, Andre, this could be a, a seven-part series. Um, Did we have no- an update on how the party went? What party? Children's party. No, no, unfortunately <laughs> not. Um <clears throat> Now, on a positive tip, there have been some good ideas uh, by Irish politicians this year. I know, I know, I know. Um, And we have three best ideas awards and they are. uh, Two of them are actually having Helen McEntee's, which is um, we'll get back to her later. Radically. Well, they're not really her ideas. They're just things that fall under her brief because she's minister. Anyway, whatever. Radically changing licensing laws. 
um, for opening hours and serving alcohol and getting rid of stupid old legislation that is completely irrelevant from the 1930s. Uh, that is a good idea. Regularizing um, the process for undocumented migrants to get residency and citizenships. Um, that has been the result of amazing uh, campaigning by uh, migrants in Ireland for over a decade. So that's their word. And the basic income for artist pilot. We'll get into this at another time because, you know, I have many philosophical um, points of view on this that are probably not very popular, uh, but that will be an interesting idea. So it's best idea rather than how it works out or whatever. Uh, Ooh, that- leave us hanging for the future. Yeah. That's a good idea, to- but we'll talk about it later. <laughs> But um, well done to Campaign for the Arts for advocating for that, National Campaign for the Arts. Um, And that's another one for Catherine Martin's department uh, that will, I think, you know, a lot of uh, countries around the world will will be looking at how we um, achieve that and whether it has a positive impact and what can be done better. Isn't it mad how good we are? Like, I know we give out, like, no place is perfect. But the amount of things we do that we have people around the world looking at us and watching for such a small country we've a lot of heart and a lot of ideas <laughs> okay wow john concannon has just joined us live <laughs> here on the podcast um okay this is our okay so this is our centrist chill award um this is where we uh totally shared all of our criticisms of the uh state of the place now come on that is unfair like i said no this is us being centrist shills not other yeah. people. No, I okay. know. But I think that's unfair <clears throat> as well, because I think you can like people and their work, even if they're in a crap party. OK, that doesn't make us central shills. So I'm 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 pushing for this. OK, so what is the award, Andrea? The award is for best minister. And it's Norma Futnam. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just want to do some memes on how everybody or like the media has just decided that Norma Foley is amazing. I want to be like Norma Foley next to Jeff Bezos going to the edge of space. (laughs) Norma Foley on the iceberg, on the glacier, stopping it from melting. Norma Foley as... Manages unions. This is not the win you think it is, media. You know what unions do and you're in them. I think it's just because most people in Fianna Fáil are just like... I mean, how could Give you us something. Give us something. Anything, like anything. Foley. She's a woman. She, like, come on. You haven't seen her, so you can't critique her about anything. She hasn't been anywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Leadership, lessons in leadership. That was the well, line. You know of the I'll give her lessons in fashion. She's a, a style icon. She does have great earrings. Earrings um, and necklines. She's, she's, she sh- throws a look. You know, this is why women don't get into politics, Andrea, because all of their policies and their leadership skills are reduced down to how they dress. Well, it's see. <laughs> <laughs> OK, hang on. Who is our best minister? <laughs> it goes to Helen McAtee. Um, now, yeah. part of this is because she did spend six months of the year on maternity leave. So kind of the further away you are from the day to day government during that period, the better off you're going to be perceived as. She just seems to get shit done. She's very likable. She doesn't tar with the same brush of scarlet that the rest of them do. No, that's true. Simon Harris 
back out on a hundred days of walking post. You're like, and yes, get you will. I will be posting about that a lot here now. Oh, you're posting about going on a walk, Simon. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, there's a there's kind of a, a triumvirate of power coalescing in um, Fine Gael. Uh, Leo Radker, of course, uh, Simon Harris and Helen McEntee. These young Turks who are going to bring our country into the future now. Um, <laughs> but where Leo Radker uh, finds it hard, to, you know, the vast majority of um, controversies that happen are, are constantly of his own making, right? He like does something stupid, says something stupid. Everybody goes, sorry, what? Or just reveals his his actual politics, which are can be quite Tory-like sometimes. Um, and that is ba- makes people go, what? Uh, Simon Harris focuses on the superficial. Uh, he wants to be kind of the young, social media savvy uh, politician that everybody likes. But of course, um, most people engage with the social media because it's so embarrassing and, and uh, juvenile. Um, and I feel like if he engaged in social media more about the work he did, yeah, it would be better because he does good shit. Yeah, but it's all like, you know, clip art. He's kind of like the... Brought an it, apple to my desk today to have as a snack. So his comms are kind of like, he's like the, um, his social media presence is, is kind of like, you know, the paper clip from MS Word. <laughs> that's how I kind of like, that's, that's the energy that I feel. <laughs> Um, oh, it fucking is. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> whereas Helen McEntee has, um, well, she just seems like a normal person who is relatable. And it's like she hasn't undergone media training to be a person. She just is one. Yeah, well, it's that's the authenticity battle that Fine Gael are constantly fighting. Um, you know, and then I suppose because Stephen Donnelly Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is our next award. <laughs> okay. So that award, Helen McEntee, congratulations. Well Before done. We well done. Sully, the, the turf we're, we're about to go on to now. The annual Stephen Donnelly Award for I Can't Believe He's a Minister Award goes to... It's Stephen Donnelly. Um, I think people have kind of become... Obviously, he hasn't been really around that much in the media over the last couple of months. Because he's been pulled back. He's not even allowed to go to the fucking press conferences anymore. Um, because <laughs> the Minister for Health is not at the like conference about what's going on. It's like, uh, I'm never going to talk to um, the Minister for Business. Who's going to <laughs> tell us what's going on? <laughs> um, <clears throat> Stephen Donnelly has had a lot of struggles with his communication uh, over the past uh, year and a half from equating uh, the risk of a global pandemic to children being on a trampoline. Um, and uh, the rolling inadequacies of the HSE under Paul Reed's leadership uh, and indeed the massive hack that happened uh, of the HSE in hospitals because someone opened the email. Um, and the general just vibe of, is this really the best person to have in charge at this point in time? And I think the thing is with Stephen Donnelly that all the other uh, interested parties, shall we say, run rings around him because they don't give a shit about him and don't respect him. So they're literally like, yeah. oh, you want us to do that, Stephen? Yeah, we'll see. We're going to do it our way. And you're like, but he's your boss. <laughs> there's, definitely, there's definitely an authority issue here. 
um, I do feel that like sometimes also like he's in Fianna Fáil and like I just feel like anybody who joins Fianna Fáil you know, you're joining a party that's famous for corruption in Ireland, that's famous for colluding with the church in the oppression of people, that's famous for, you know, being one of the main forces that contributed to our massive economic crash uh, around property that has been in bed with developers, that has been in and out of tribunals for the latter half of the, or for the latter decade of the uh, 20th century. And, and I just feel like you kind of lose credibility when you join Fianna Fáil. I also think that like, especially when you come from like a sound project, like the Zach Dems. Yeah. And it must be like, he's kind of like the Brian McFadden to the Zach Dems Westlife. Do you know that kind of way? It's like you leave and then you're like, I'm going to do all this stuff. And then you're looking back at Westlife and the Zach Dems are like, we're fine. We are totally <laughs> fine without Stephen Donnelly. It is completely okay. We're just over here doing our thing. So I think, um, yeah, let's see how the year works out for uh, Brian McFadden, <laughs> Steve Donnelly, <laughs> most productive minister. This is kind of most productive outside of the realm, or not most productive minister. Wow, that was Freudian. Most productive politician, <laughs> um, most productive future minister. Uh, it's Ono Brin, f- primarily because of his book writing. Anybody who can get two books out in a year. Uh, while also being uh, the opposite, essentially the opposition spokesperson on housing, uh, Sinn Féin spokesperson on housing, uh, deserves a productivity award. Um, he wrote books on housing defects and also a photo book on Bosaurus. So uh, that's a little diverse um, portfolio. I to go to while having that job. It's impossible to write a book. <laughs> it is. Um, now, our candidate of the year, uh, Andrea wanted to vote for James Gagan on this. I said, no, <laughs> no, Andrea. <laughs> it just speaks to me in a way that's I, I just on my level. Um, who is the candidate of the year? We are giving it to Bridget Purcell of PBP. It's so weird that, uh, no, forget about it. Uh, Dublin Bay South. Yeah. So uh, Bridget Purcell had a really good campaign um, in the Dublin Bay South by-election. Was that this year? Yeah. Like, oh, fucking hell. Bernie Saunders sitting on a chair was this year as well. Yeah. Um, um, this year has been the best of times. <laughs> been the worst of times. Bridget Purcell <laughs> ran. It's also really- been the longest fucking year in existence. Like, how, I just can't, time is a fucking construct. Bridget Purcell um, ran a really interesting, uh, dynamic and innovative, no, genuinely though, uh, campaign in Dublin Bay South during that by-election. And, uh, you know, she was talking an awful lot about public space and things like that. And obviously the issue around Portobello has resurfaced as it has been um, hoarded hoarded off uh, by a hotel developer. Great use of public space there. So well done, uh, Bridget Purcell. Hopefully, see more from her. But might pay some money towards uh, rent. They might put some money towards the development of public spaces. Shy bags. Political party of the year. We're giving this one to the sock dams, primarily for their um, work on ventilation, trying to foreground that constantly. Uh, which is the political equivalent of banging your head against a HEPA filter for 20 
months. Uh, so yeah, I feel like they had a good year. You know? Yeah, I do. I think they have a lot of potential and I think they are a growing party. I think they've got some real political stars in there and I think I think they're going somewhere. <laughs> I think these guys are going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, melt of the year. Tuna, we were going to have our tuna chicken roll of the year, but this is our tuna melt of the year. Who we was melting? We do have a tuna chicken roll of the year as well. Yeah, who was melting everyone's head this year, Andrea? Who can this award only really go to? And um, we're not going to talk about it much. We're not going to dwell on this because we're just going, it's the new year. We're coming up. We don't want to be stressed. And he's a shite bag. Say, uh, no, Andrea, do not say that. Really? You can't be personalising things too much. We'll get in trouble. Okay. This gentleman has really been a challenge to our city and the shape it's taken. And that is unfortunate for us as citizens. Um, And I'm sure he's a lovely man and has a lot of interesting hobbies and family and friends. However, his leadership of the executive of Dublin City Council has led him to become our melt of the year. That was fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So Owen Keegan is somebody who uh, uh, contributed to a lot of people's um, annoyances and distress. I also hope you enjoyed our live on air fight there. Uh, That was that was pretty good. Um, Related to that, the fuck up of the year uh, in an urban context goes to everybody having to pee in bushes uh, and down laneways because of how uh, the capital city of Ireland decided that public toilets were not a priority for outdoor socialising. I also would like to pop in there. Um, because it's related about when people were asking for bins because the place is in bits and the spokesperson for Dublin City Council was like, uh, if we put them there, people will use them. Oh yeah, that could have been a good quote of the year. But unfor- but that was that's. can we put that as second quote of the year? Because our first quote of the year is uh, this young guy who was on an RTE Vox Pop uh, when the restrictions were kind of, I don't know what, bloody stage it was at this stage <laughs> but uh, he goes if you have a nice garden like a big huge garden so like chill in your garden but what if you're a normal cunt who doesn't have a garden <laughs> I just thought that was the best and I think it kind of summed up uh, a lot of things about how we were trying to navigate our social lives in a meaningful way this year and yeah. now, now it's time for uh, the media category would love the uh, Claire Byrne uh, remix of a show of her theme music to come in here now. Sorry, you can't find it. I would love someone to make a remix of all the like live in studio pieces to just watch back together. And given that it's the year of us taking control, maybe we'll do it ourselves. However, broadcaster of the year this year, it's a three-way <laughs> between <laughs> Joe Duffy <laughs> Claire Byrne and Sarah McInerney. Yeah, I think there are three decent victors. Our journalist of the year is Mustafa, uh, Mustafa Darwish for his investigations on deaths in direct provision for the Irish Examiner. Uh, our gas bitch of the year, official title, goes to Joanne McNally, who I have renamed Joanne 
more dates added McNally uh, because literally she can't turn around without adding more dates to her run in Vicar Street and the London Palladium as well as all around the country in both the UK and Ireland. This this gas bitch is going places. She's already there. <laughs> she's going to so many places. She's already reached them. No, well done, Joanne. Uh, she's going to have a good 2022. We have she's a special. Going wrecked, though. <laughs> it's going to be wrecked. We have special commendation gas bitch awards to Amy O'Connor, especially for her much loved end of year thread and all the things that make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. Now it's time to get to Dublin, the best place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so good, everyone's leaving. <laughs> the most unoffensive development in Dublin official uh, award goes to. The idea to turn Houston into a housing village vibe. Yes, this is a development that doesn't seem totally terrible. Uh, and because those ideas are so thin on the ground, it deserves an award. I just have this big wonder. Don't you know? Don't you know when you go through town and you see like government buildings, Trinity College, all these fab buildings? What is going to be when people in a hundred years look back and they're like, what were they doing? Like, why is there just this square building with loads of square windows and all in uniform? And I will say the new ESB building by Grafton Architects is quite stunning. But like, what's our legacy going to be for what has been built in our city? Those windows that have the tiny little external steel ridge on the outside, but you can't actually open them and the fake brick cladding. Yeah, Uh, that's a uh, real Imagine, don't you know when you're like looking back of like and then there was arches instilled with the handcrafted gargoyle that was then placed da, 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 and we're literally like square square windows <laughs> that's it <laughs> it's so depressing there's not yes. no art in building anymore like there's like where is the like visual feast for your eyes of going around a city that isn't just fucking shards of glass. Yeah, I think it also shows how like obviously this shit is way less expensive to build than things that you might put a bit of like design effort into. We need some medicines to come back. But also it also shows like it makes the place look shit shit and kind of down at heel. You know, it just looks like Prison. I mean, everything, yeah, everything just looks like some kind of, you know, juvenile prison in stains or something. Ah, Dublin. (laughs) You're in my heart. Yeah, vibes. The award for vibes. (laughs) Safe Outdoor Raves get our award for vibes. Our DMs are open. (laughs) If you've got any invites. Uh, But well done to everybody socializing safely outside and having a bit of a rave without giving everyone COVID. We appreciate you. I don't know who those people are because literally everyone has COVID now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I still don't have COVID. Touch wood. Uh, The most missed event of the year. (laughs) There's no moral superiority during a respiratory uh, pandemic. Yeah. Andrea, I've built my career on moral superiority. <laughs> it's the only fucking thing I have going for me. A high horse. <laughs> Most missed event. The news Yeah, yeah. Definitely. The sh- tears were shed when it was confirmed Roshi Murphy would not be ringing in the new year. 
imagine getting our sequins on now for tonight and our layers because we'd be outside and our white claws in because they're delicious. And it's 14 degrees, which is obviously terrifying. It's 14 degrees in Dublin on New Year's Eve. This is obviously terrifying. And, you know, obviously winter well, perfect is perfect for a New Year's Eve party. <laughs> perfect, perfect for an outdoor sesh, all the same. Um, it's clear that winter is just like moving a month up and January will probably be like super, super cold. Do Ooh. not open the conversation about what months winter is. Look, all I'm saying is check back with me at the end of January when we've had a really cold month. Category is random, random shit. Random shit. <laughs> <laughs> random. First up, best Jennifer Lopez moment of the year. You know, well, is it getting back with Ben Affleck? Was that also this year? Yeah. Now that was a good moment, but also Ben was a bit of a dick to his exes with yes. his alcohol problem. So I kind of have shed my love a little bit. So I think the "Marry Me" trailer is going to take prime position. Fair. Fashion statement of the year. Like Gaga turning up in all the fucking looks for the House of Gucci promo. Like it was like, it was literally like, look, another look, another look, bus, chain, another look. It was just insane. Some of the things she was turning out and she just is infallible as a fashion icon. Excellent. (laughs) Get in the sea award for getting in the sea and staying in the sea. Like I kind of gave this to it's a general one, but I think it deserves it. It's just to the people who are responsible for providing a living city for the for us. Like imagine you are responsible for shaping the city of Dublin and this is the shape it's in. I would be absolutely scarlet, to be honest. I think that's a fair uh, award. (laughs) And Andrea, another one for you. The most bananas, it's bananas. It's it's pretty much the same thing, um, but it is absolutely bananas what's being done to our city. Like it's being stripped. If I was to talk in like money terms, it's being stripped of assets. It's been broken up. It's been sold off. And we're being left with a base that is literally like the soul is being removed. I know most money people don't talk about the soul, but it's just really upsetting to see the what is being built, what is being eroded, um, and and the fact that there's no vision for what our city could be. Um, it's really bananas. I'm going to add in two more things to bananas, though. Birds chirping at 1.47 a.m. in the middle of fucking December. That is bananas. That is out of whack. Um, our climate is fucked. The Twaits Glacier about to melt. That's fucked. Temperatures reaching 28 degrees above average in Greenland. That's fucked. The world is hot. It is absolutely bananas that we still are continuing on the path of uh, but what about the economy? Um, blah, blah, blah. We need to like uh, keep mining our world. And blah, blah, blah. it's like, oh, my God, why are we letting our world burn? Like it's right in front of us. We're watching it. And still 
we keep consuming bits. And finally, in my It's Bananas Roundup, NFTs. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care if they make money. I don't care. They're absolutely scarlet. And you're literally right-clicking on your computer. Get a grip. I would also like to add the billionaire space race into bananas. Oh, yeah, good one. And just also the big uh, Bezos's rocket just looking like a big dick, which I can only assume after years of planning was done intentionally because you couldn't just not notice that. <laughs> so I don't know why, like if somebody thinks that's a good idea, then they're just like, I don't know, the you know, the person who used to like graffiti sex is cool on a wall at school or something. Or in Summer High Tie dictation. <laughs> oh. Now, these are our United Ireland Awards for best Irish bits. Uh, best county, Andrea. Dublin, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think it's had a good time. I know, but it's still great, even though... Actually, okay, fine. Cork has loads of amenities and it's fab. Yeah, I would, I would put um, Cork. I mean, it's a struggle, really, as a Dubliner to to give any props to Cork. But they kind of did well in the outdoor dining. Um, I think Claire. This is so ridiculous because this is based on absolutely nothing apart from just us talking. Claire had a good year, and uh, you know it's up there and Wicklow. Uh, Wicklow well it is the Garden of Ireland yeah my favourite thing Um, I suppose uh, the Midlands uh, in general also had a good year people were just discovering bits of Ireland people can afford to live there yeah (laughs) nobody wants to live there before that's also a lie Uh, Midlands um, underrated uh, parts of Ireland are all over the place and hopefully we can just make them greener more sustainable and better and uh, have everybody happy in um, independent towns that have great lifestyle uh, and, and great quality of life and great amenities. I do. I absolutely. Also, and also world peace. <laughs> I also dis- I disagree profoundly uh, with your assessment of Dublin of Dublin as County of the Year. But um, we shall move on. Andrea, best nature. OK, this is controversial because it's also the most terrifying so the cliffs of mower i wanted to go to them for ages i went this year like they're pretty high and pretty terrifying right so you're walking along there's like a bit of shale to stop you falling over terrifying so you're literally like and it's windy like i'm going to plunge to my death on the right on the left is like an electric fence So you're like, I'm either going to plunge to my death or be electrocuted. Now, I know this doesn't sound like it's the best nature, but also they're fucking stunning. So my advice would be to not go down the road less trodden. It's still stunning. Stick to the classics is what you're saying with regards to Irish nature. Yeah. And also like in the part of the Cliffs of Mower where it doesn't say you may die because loads of people have once you pass this part. Don't go past that part. Um, Most delicious restaurant slash cafe. I have Alta Summer House because it was just such a wonderful experience. The food was delicious. It was, it was, it was like repurposing uh, our experiences. And I think we need to start looking at, stop going so straightforward to things. How can we add a bit of 
spice and pizzazz and make it, it more of an experience. And Alta did that this year. Most stunning bar. Um, I'm not a bar person, but I love the sidecar in the Westbury. What about you? Um, yes, I do like the sidecar. I also love uh, my local pub, one of them, the Glimmerman, big uh, outdoor area. So I might give it to that. Might also... Like that's it- kind of a bit unfair, like of giving like the most stunning bar to your local. Well... Everyone's going to think their local is the most stunning. The Magnus in, has uh, deserves special commendation on Thomas Street in Dublin. Okay. Or I'm going to give it to one of the dingle bars that I love. Well, Currens is for me the best pub in the country. So I would also give it to that. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Most missed food brand, a very niche award, <laughs> is Glenisk. And I thought it was worth giving it to them because. It's a stunning brand. They're always innovating. Their flavors are delicious. They're always trying to be sustainable, changing their packaging, um, innovating with their products. And also they suffered a fire in their production uh, facility and have been off the shelves for a long time. So I just wanted to give them some support and a shout out and saying I'm really looking forward to eating that cherry yogurt again. The No More Hotels Award for Hotel of the Year. Andrea, <laughs> controversial award this every year. Um, well, as we always say, we love hotels and we will always continue to love hotels. And there's no hotel, as far as I'm concerned, that can beat the Westbury for general vibes. I just think it's magical. And they're just does, like everyone's so concerned about creating Instagram moments in hotels now when their development that they're just not hitting what the Westbury hits on in terms of a through the line activation of joy. Um, Do you just say through the line activation? What does that even mean? Well, it's a 360 uh, through the line activation that brings it above the line and below the line. <laughs> um, <laughs> that actually is what it is. So it's like everything is connected. They've thought about like their branding that you can buy the like candles that's the smell of the hotel you can their afternoon tea is delicious their lobby is stunning their rooms are fab their restaurants are delicious they're like it's just it's just an old school fab hotel that's managed to modernize and move with the times and um, i just really love it Fair. that sounds um, like an ad for the westbury it's really upsetting that they won't make me a fucking westbury influencer I like I, I'm doing the job. Give me like <laughs> imagine if I had like a lovely weekly hotel stay. It's funny. The place most likely to be overrun by really annoying Dubliners in the next lockdown. Um, this goes to Donegal. Uh, Donegal, you know, probably the best county in Ireland in terms of people, scenery, beaches, general culture. Um. Now, obviously, a lot of places in Ireland have experienced the absolute hardship of having annoying uh, people from Dublin like me and Andre and all of our 1.5 million uh, comrades uh, going around Ireland on what are called staycations that are actually holidays uh, and um, just being annoying 
I mean, Dubliners kind of are annoying outside of Dublin. Una, I'm going to stop you there and move you on to the next part because that's a bit rude about Dubliners because we're not annoying. We're absolutely stunning. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, Donegal um, is uh, experiencing that kind of uh, sense of discovery, which I'm sure is irritating and also helps the economy. People power moment goes to the cobblestone. Great work of people coming together to uh, push back on the development of a hotel um, in a place that was assigned for culture. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, if you build it, they will come. There's a lot of people building uh, networks and we will see what 2022 brings in terms of people power. Big up the cobblestone. And finally, our tuna chicken roll of the year, Andrea. It is. It's I don't I couldn't pick one of the year. It's a current one. It's Groove Jet Spiller, Purple. <gasps> Actually, no, it's not that one. Oh, wow. A late entry. A late entry. It's making a comeback. It's been at a few parties I was at before I got COVID. Obviously, I don't go to parties now. I'm only joking. Uh, it is the Macarena. Oh, fuck off. It is. It's fucking a buzz. It's like playing a lot around this around the place. And yeah, I have a lot of time for it. Tuna. Wow. Okay. I did not expect that. I do appreciate you all uh, for supporting the podcast this year for sticking with us, not least through this chaotic episode uh, that really sums up <laughs> the energy of this year. Uh, we love you all. Uh, we would really love if more of you listening would sign up to our Patreon. We have loads and loads of great episodes lined up for Jan Feb March and we're looking forward to another year of United Ireland. So peace and love and uh, take care. <laughs>
cuerpo, alegría, Macarena, que tu cuerpo para dar la alegría y cosas buenas. Baila tu cuerpo, alegría, Macarena, eh, Macarena. Baila tu cuerpo, alegría, Macarena, que tu cuerpo para dar la alegría y cosas buenas. Baila tu cuerpo, alegría, Macarena, eh, Macarena. Macarena, bala tu cuerpo, alegría, Macarena, eh, Macarena. Ah.